Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Hey, how's it going, eh? This is What You've Been Playing Wednesday, and this is a special weekly episode where all of us content creators get to talk about the games that we've been playing recently. And on this episode are... The Meeple Dungeon, Kavri, definitely a board game podcast, The Tabletop Bellhop, Dice and Dragons, and Cardboard Conjecture. And if you have a second, click on the links in the notes below for the What You've Been Playing Wednesday cast. So enough said, sit back and enjoy. Hello everybody, my name is Ilya. And my name is Tyler. Together we make up Coffrey, a couple that loves to play board games. Yay! We make all sorts of content, photography, but primarily we're on YouTube. You can check us out on Coffrey. Exactly, we just released our most anticipated games for 2021, so be sure to leave a comment if you check it out. Very exciting. Well, today, what have we been playing this week, Tyler? What do we want to talk about? We're going to talk about two games in specific. Okay, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. I'll start it it off. I want to talk about Caper. So Caper is a two-player game, and it's designed by Yune Rubio, and the artist is Josh Emmerich, and the publisher is Keymaster Games. So this game is essentially you are putting together crews to successfully out-heist your other opponent. Heists? Yeah. Exciting. And it's a neat little card management drafting game where each turn, or you'll alternate turns between crew members and gear. And obviously it's a drafting game, so you'll look at your hand, take one card, pass it along. But the cool thing is, is you reveal uh, at different times depending on what the turn is. And because of that, you have an advantage of being able to play first or having the advantage of playing after. Uh, and it's been a blast to play. <laughs> There's a lot of tug and pull in a game, and it reminds mm. me a little bit of Watergate, primarily for that big kind of track, the, momentum and mm-hmm. initiative tracks. But because in every location, you're trying to see who will commit the heist, and exactly. you're kind of pushing back and forth, trying to add to that layer. So. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's really neat because, uh, yeah, like Ilya said, is when you are jumping back and forth and playing certain cards, you're moving uh, either towards your opponent or away from your opponent to ensure that you're the person that is doing the best of the heisting. Mm -hmm. And there's a variety of ways of scoring, too. So Mm -hmm. if you don't necessarily win all the heists, you can get a lot of points from your crew and the gear that they have, or maybe some of the stolen artifacts that you've acquired along the way. Yeah, you can sneak away with some of the goods that are in the area that you're trying to heist Mm -hmm. and end up not winning it, but still get points for it. So that's pretty cool. The other thing I want to mention is there are cards that burn other cards. So you can Fire. play them. Yeah. 
And when you play them, you can kind of just use them to uh, get rid of your opponent's cards, which can help you secure that heist again. Uh, so again, that's Caper, and it's been yeah. a blast well, to play. One last thing I want to say, too, is there's four different cities that you can oh, heist yes. in. So there's modules that kind of vary the gameplay a little bit, and it's a really fun two-player game that provides a lot of kind of adaptability game to game and makes you be a little bit more resilient in your heists. Mm-hmm. All right, which one do you want to talk about this week? I think this week I want to talk about Adventures of Robin Hood. So this one's designed by Michael Menzel, and it is published by Thames and Cosmos Games. And it is such a blast. Essentially, it's a narrative game that takes you in the world of Robin Hood. And you take mm-hmm. the role of Robin Hood, Little John, and various other characters. And there's a couple of neat mechanics in this game. So the rule book and the book is, act- is an actual book that you follow through that adventure. So that's super cool. Yeah. The second aspect is the board is essentially like a big advent calendar. There's a lot of little flip locations that vary the gameplay like there's guards that could come up or a secret location could be unveiled and essentially the map is growing as you go through the various chapters of the book mm-hmm. and the my absolute favorite way is there's not really spaces of how you move you have these little running figures that you attach to your character and switch them to direction obviously not going through trees or any buildings uh, but where you end up is where that character is. Yeah. It's super, super neat. I think there's a lot of innovation within this game, but mm-hmm. we've had such a blast. I think we've done three chapters so far. Yep. So we're about halfway through the game. And the last one was just a... Nail-biter. <laughs> barely made it through. It was a very close game. Yeah. But the mechanics, the flow, the narrative, it just it's such a smooth game to walk yourself through. And it's very accessible because essentially you're just reading a book and pulling cubes or discs or a variety of elements from a little drawstring bag so yeah for those of you who know like the old goosebump books sometimes they had stories where you would like uh read through one of the pages and it would say flip to x page or x page based on the decision you've made and that's kind of what robin hood gives me vibes of which is really cool and then on top of that i was really excited about the movement to begin with but there's even more benefits to the movement than seems because you get strength is what they call it for not using all of your tiles yeah Yeah. and Mm -hmm. i think that's a very cool little way to almost like motivate you and let you strategize a little bit more on how you're going to build up strength and also move the farthest Mm -hmm. and last thing i'll say too is one of my last favorite elements of this game because there's a lot is that it does feel a little bit of like sandboxy. At the beginning of each chapter, you're given an objective, and essentially it's to maybe break out of the castle or break into the castle and find out the secret. But it doesn't tell you specifically where to go. So mm-hmm. you can chat with various people and ask them for aid or ask them for directions on how to get to your objective and try to kind of figure out clues. Or you can kind of deduce from the map and be like, it's probably, it probably makes the most sense to go to this part of the forest because it's more secluded. So let's do yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. And that is Adventures of Robin Hood. And that's what we've been playing the last couple of weeks. It's been a bit more, but we always try to cover two different games and give you a little bit of in-depth anal- analysis of both of them. As much as we can. As much as we can. (laughs) But thank you so much for watching. My name is Ilya. And my name is Tyler. Together we're covering. Feel free to check out our other platforms. Have an amazing rest of your week. And make sure to play some games. Yay. Bye.
Hello everybody, it's Rob and Anna-Marie from the Meeple Dungeon. Hello! And we are back again recording for the What You've Been Playing Wednesdays podcast, and this week we've been actually playing a lot of different games, but we thought we would talk about a game that no one has talked about on here before. Um, actually, we've never heard anyone talk about this game, um, because we're the only people I know that have it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, it's a small game. Talk uh, about a um, little game in a little box. Yeah, like a... Or big game in a little big box. Big game in a little box, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I it? totally what, messed what game that is up. That? that is Mouse Cheese Cat Cucumber, um, designed by Seppi Yoon and Patrick Yang, and published by Fight in a Box. Yes, Mouse Cheese Cat Cucumber. I saw this on pre-order at our local game store, and I was like, that looks awesome. Yep. <laughs> That was the art intrigued me right away, and I was like, "What the heck is this?" I just love the title, Matt Cheat, uh, Matt Mouse Cheese Cat Cucumber. <laughs> I was like, "That just I want to buy it just for the yeah, name alone." When you brought it home, I did not know what to think <laughs> of this game, and you said, "They go, oh, it'll be fun," and I was like, oh, "Okay." And it's so what it is is a it's a big maze. It's a big tile laying, but it's card, so it's card laying game. It's like a hedge maze on a table, but you're in a house. Yeah. And, and each, you're in hallways. Each player <laughs> is going to be a different character, either the mouse, the cat, the cheese, or the cucumber. And you've got a secret objective, yeah, depending on what player you are. Your identity is secret. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. And you start at the beginning of the game. You start with the mouse and the cheese on the board with two other kind of random tiles. And these tiles are representing like the inside of like a, like a art saying. gallery. Is what yeah, it looks like. Looks like it, yeah. And it's just kind of different floor pattern or like floor arrangements, either like a crisscross floor or a straight floor or an a diagonal floor, floor or, yeah. Or something. A and corner. You, so corner on your, of two walls. on your turn, you're gonna pull one a card out of the tableau at the at the top of the table where there's gonna be four of them uh, available. Over, yeah. And you're gonna choose one of these and you're gonna put it down on the board. And on these cards, yeah, it's gonna have a different arrangement of flooring, and it's also gonna have potentially have gears on them and when you put that gear card down next to another card it's going to manipulate the card that you put it next to you're either rotating it 90 degrees clockwise or counterclockwise depending on what the gear says and if you manipulate something next to the mouse or the cat or the cat the mouse is then going to take a run through the floor that you have laid out um, however you want. So if there's a couple different options for him to go, you can make him choose whatever way you want him to go. Yeah. But if there's only one way for him to go, he's going to sc- sc- uh, scurry off into that direction and end up and in a different it, part yeah, of the table. Yeah, land in an empty space. Yeah, and then you can build this game out to be a 5x5 five five grid, no bigger. And so what you're doing is, so if I'm the mouse, okay, that's my secret identity. I'm trying to get the mouse to the cheese. And those are the two starting, two of the four starting cards. Yeah. And then if you're the cat, you are trying to get the cat to the mouse. And the cat is, you basically place this in the, at the start of the game, you put the cat in like the middle of the deck, so the cat's not yeah. going to come out right away. You'll get it, you'll get quite a bit of a grid laid out first. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you are the cheese, you're trying to keep the mouse away from the cheese. And the cat away from the, the mouse. And the cat away from the mouse. <laughs> so if you can do that by the time the cucumber comes onto the board... You win yeah, as the cheese because the, the cucumber is always in the bottom four cards of yes. the deck. Yeah. So you're just trying to keep the 
keep everything under control. Yeah, you until want to the manipulate the board so that none of those things happen because you have to wait until the cucumber is revealed. Yeah, and then if you're the cucumber, you are waiting you want, to be. <laughs> yeah, you want everyone to eat everyone, and you want you want the mouse to eat the. Or cheese and the cat eat the mouse. Yeah, so you want to make it so when that cucumber is revealed, uh, you've got that the mouse has a pathway to the cheese and that a cat has a pathway to the mouse. Right. And that is basically the game. Yeah. Which And it's hilariously... It's, it's a hilarious theme, first off. And it's just a really interesting, funny idea for the game. Um, and you also have a special power, so you can reveal yourself as to who you are. If you want to use your one special power. And it's a one-time use. Yeah, so if I'm getting really desperate, um, I can reveal myself as the mouse, and I can slide my way through a little mouse hole from one card to another card, but now you know I'm the mouse, and then I'm off to try and get the cheese. Yeah. And so I've revealed myself. So that's the one drawback. But it's yeah, it's, it's an interesting game. It's, yeah. It's... Um, it's a really fun little card game. It's very thinky. You have to try to, it which is. way is it going to go if I put my card down? Yeah, and and you, is that going to help them? And oh my gosh, now our grid's getting full and I feel like every move I make is going to be a path to the cheese. Yeah. And, and, so, <laughs> and when, yeah, you, you really have to think about when you're putting a card down, what way it's going to spin the a card next to it, depending on which way the gear is rotating it. And if that's going to open up a different path that you didn't see before. And yeah, it was. it's it's neat. It's, yeah. it's, uh, a very strange, themed, fun little card game. Yeah, with and, hidden identities. <laughs> and I found out that um, in the little rule book there, there is actually a precursor, a prequel to this game uh, called "The Adventures of Kaiser Cucumber." Yes. So you get to learn all about the cucumber and play its its game with uh, mechanical corners. They call them right. Yeah. And so I hadn't even heard of this game until you pre-ordered it. Now that I'm hearing that there's this prequel game, yeah, um, yeah, I would love to get my hands on it. So I know. If, if anyone from Fight in a Box is listening, you can definitely contact the Meeple Dungeon, and we would love to give uh, give that game a go because we really, really like this one. Yeah. So see if I can find it. Yeah. Um, otherwise, we're going to try and hunt it down ourselves. But I don't know where it's available or whatever because this is the. I think we're the only people I know of that have this game. Yeah. Um, so that should be fixed because it's an awesome game. Yeah, you should get this game if you like tile laying and. and I can't remember the price, movement. but I think it was a pretty decent price oh, point. It's, it's a small box. It's yeah. it was priced accordingly in it, and yeah. there's a lot of game, like a lot of fun thinky game in this box. Yeah, it's a fun so. begin the night and the night style game, and uh, yeah, really impressed. It's really yeah. cool. So I think that's it for this week. But we'll be back again next week. We'll see you then. Cheers. See ya. Hello, I'm Royce Calverly. And I'm Jeff. And we are, well, definitely a board game podcast. A podcast definitely about board games, except when it's not. I'm joined today by Jeff. Jeff is a frequent guest on our podcast, so all of you regular listeners should already recognize his voice and be excited to hear his thoughts. But he is a first time, a virgin here on uh, What You've Been Playing Wednesday, so we'll let him go What You've Been Playing on Wednesday, Jeff. I've been playing the G.I. Joe deck building game. He 
G.I. Joe is the code name for America's daring, highly trained special mission force. Its purpose, to defend human freedom against Cobra, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. He never gives up. He'll stay till the fight's won. G.I. Joe will dare. G.I. I knew that already, guys. So, I guess we need to go to the, I guess, the most important question here, Jeff. I know you're a little bit younger. Transformers or G.I. Joe? Transformers. Ah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm not arguing. I know in my heart Transformers is probably the better show. Uh, it was definitely the more imaginative show. I, for me, G.I. Joe is always on top because... I'm a comic book guy, and the Larry Hama comics, G.I. Joe comics, were some of the best storytelling ever in any comic book. I'll hold it up with anything you want to put up. They have some of the, some of the stories they covered were amazing. But yes, I can't argue with Transformers, and that might be one of the my biggest complaints with the G.I. Joe deck-building game when we get to it. But why Transformers? Uh, well, you alluded to it. I'm a bit younger, and G.I. Joe was something from my young childhood that sort of got phased out. And then Transformers stayed around, and it it got reimagined into pop culture that lasted longer and was more prevalent through my formative years. But G.I. Joe got three rather lousy movies. I don't think I've seen any of them. <laughs> Transformers only had five lousy movies. Come on. <laughs> yeah, but they had explosions. <laughs> well, they did have that. All right, go Michael Bay. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's talk about the G.I. Joe, the deck-building game. So this was designed by T.C. Petty III. This is a, it's a neat deck-building game. It's very different from any other deck-building game I've played, anyway, in that it's fully co-op. So it's a fully co-op deck-building game. It's also story-driven, where you're actually playing through a story. So the base box comes with two stories, one completely original story, and the other is the mass device, one of the big storylines from the G.I. Joe cartoon. And it has, I guess you would call them chapter markers, and, or end chapters, that are always going to be the same when you do that story. So you're always going through that story. But it has random story elements leading up to that story. So each time you play, it will be very different, or at least a little bit different. In addition to that, it has a strong uh, help your other player idea uh, where it almost feels like a little like Munchkin. In Munchkin, you would, you know, open up a door, you find a monster, and everybody can either help you or help the monster. Well, in this case, you're only helping you. And you need to make a decision whether or not to send your cards, your Joes, off to help the other person or whether to keep them for yourselves. And what makes it really neat for me anyway is if you there are cards uh, that you want to play that will give re-rolls on the dice or will add strength or something like that. But you can't play those unless you send a character to those to that battle and then each battle requires you to take a vehicle and they have all the classic vehicles and each vehicle only has a certain number of uh, passenger space so not everybody is going to be able to participate all the time i thought that was really neat what did you think jeff what did you think about gi joe the, the deck building game i i really liked that when you helped it 
it was also beneficial for you, especially at the beginning of the game. By sending your Joe on someone else's mission, you remove that starter card from your deck for the rest of the game. Right. So thinning, so the way that you thin yourself of your starter cards is by helping your your friends and do and playing co-op successfully. Yeah, that's definitely it, that choice from when to start culling your deck is a, yeah. a little bit difficult because you can do it right from the beginning almost. And if you do do it right from the beginning, you're going to hurt yourself in the long run. And I kind of, I think I hurt myself a little by over culling too early uh, in our game. I was, uh, and I had to sort of re uh, structure how I was playing a little bit mid game in order to be more helpful. I also think it's interesting that, for instance, if you purchase vehicles, you're almost giving up a little bit of your strength for the team's strength a little bit. And that is an interesting choice as well. Uh, purchasing the name Joe's has great for buying future cards and for going on missions, but the equipment cards, for instance, or the, I forget what they're called, the duty cards or inspiration cards, anything, something like that. Utility cards, that's what they are. The utility cards, those are where you really get the power, not in the name Joe's necessarily, because that's when you start to get these combinations and get them working together. Really, really thought that was neat. Uh, if you were to hold this up to some other uh, deck building games that you've played, like, uh, I don't know, Dominion or DC Deck Building or some of these others, how does this place for you? Uh, I don't think it's as high as it will for you. I think I enjoyed Dominion and DC both more than this one. I think, I th and I think a lot of this is I'm missing the nostalgia. Right, yeah. And that's where I think that, I think play renegade has made a mistake i think releasing this game and transformers at the same time basically forces the fandom to make the choice and this is almost the same mistake that the uh, gi joe and transformers made back in the 80s when they released the movies where the transformers movie came out just before the gi joe movie and was similar enough to the gi joe movie that they ended up actually having to recut and change the G.I. Joe movie. Uh, spoiler for about a 40-year-old movie, <laughs> but Optimus Prime dies at the end of the Transformers movie. <laughs> or actually dies fairly early. Yeah, Sorry, I know. It's still traumatic for me, too. And Duke was originally going to die in the G.I. Joe movie, but after Transformers, they felt like they couldn't just do the same thing again. They ended up re-editing it, and it definitely was harmful to that movie and i wonder if renegade games has done something similar here where they have released them too close together anyway that's our thoughts on gi joe the deck building game i'm really hoping that it will have some uh expansions i love what it has but i think some more stories would really help it other than that jeff anything you want to add nope all right. Thanks for having me. Yeah, now you know all about the G.I. Joe, the deck building game. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. Hello and welcome to the Tabletop Bellhop segment of What You've Been Playing Wednesday. I am Mo Tuzano, the Tabletop Bellhop, your cardboard concierge, answering your gaming and game night questions and striving to make everyone's gaming experience better. If you've got a gaming or game night question for me, send it to questions at tabletopbellhop.com. 
Visit the webpage and click on Ask the Bellhop, or hit me up on social media, where I can be found everywhere as Tabletop Bellhop, one word. Now, the question I'm answering today is what you've been playing this past week. Well, first up was our second game of Lost Ruins of Arnak that went much better than our first. I admit that the first time we played this game, Deanna and I both felt quite lost, not sure what we should be doing with all the options presented to us at the start of the game. Now, while neither of us really felt like we know exactly what we should be doing or when we should be doing it, we were much more aware of the possible actions and why we might want to take them in the second game. Now, the best part about the second play was that each of us tried different strategies from our first game and different from each other's strategies, and everything we've seen so far seemed valid and possible for a win. Like this time, my goal was to get one of those 11-point temple tiles any way I could, so everything I could put towards it was put towards climbing up that temple and not worrying about my book as much, and that worked really well. Now, Deanna actually tried around with a more general strategy of trying to do a bit of everything, which worked well, but didn't get her the win. So far, we are loving Lost Ruins of Arnak. In addition to this physical play, I also discovered that the game is on Board Game Arena, and we started up a three-player game with Sean. While I'm not loving some parts of this interface, I'm getting used to it, but I've got to say the amount of tooltips and the detail they give in them is extremely well done, and it is way better than having to look at the reference sheet every time a new card comes out to figure out what the different icons mean and what they do. Being able to read it right there on screen is fantastic. Next up was a two-player game of Doodle Dungeon. This is a flip and write that Pegasus Spiel was awesome enough to send us a review copy of. This is a reverse dungeon crawler featuring fantastic John Kovalik artwork, where you draft cards and use them to build a dungeon, as well as building a deck of cards for use later when the hero invades. You then finish building your dungeon and pass it to the player on the left, who then draws the path the hero will take when invading your dungeon. You then get your dungeon back and go back and forth, seeing how far the adventure gets playing out different encounters. Now, a big part of those encounters is rolling to dice to see who wins between fights between the monsters and the hero, as well as having the hero encounter traps and other things in your dungeon. Now, there is more to it than that, including that card play I mentioned earlier to modify die rolls or give you re-rolls or to buff the hero on another player's board. There's also hiding of treasures and ways to improve your traps, treasures, and monsters. Now, I'll save all those details for a full review sometime after I've got more plays in. Overall, Doodle Dungeons is a lot of fun, but it's longer than you would expect. I personally expect most flippin' rights and rollin' rights to be relatively quick, if not filler games. Like, still quick, under half an hour at least, whereas Doodle Dungeon is much more involved and longer than any other of these style of games I personally played. Even our two-player game took almost an hour to finish the other night. Now, this isn't a bad thing, but it's something you need to be aware of when you sit down to play Doodle Dungeons. Despite the silly munchkin dork tower style art, this is actually quite a tactical and strategic game. It's not just a light, fun, silly filler game. Next up, we tried to play a game that's older than I am. Triples from Aladdin Games. This is a very well-constructed, all-plastic, tile-path game. You fill the plastic tray that comes with it with square tiles. Each of these tiles has three arrows on them, potentially pointing three different directions. Or each of them, not potentially, three different arrows on them pointing different directions, of the, including orthogonal and diagonal off the tile. You're going to fill the entire tray with this, and then you're also going to have start and finish tiles in the corners for each of the players. Once the board's filled, gameplay is dead simple. 
you get a marker for your 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 either square or circle. You put it on your start tile, and your goal is to get to the end tile. First player moves wherever they want, but then the second player has to move based on what tile the first player's marker is on. Then it goes back to the first player who now has to move based on what tile the second player is on and back and forth and back and forth until someone gets to their finished tile in which they win. Now, there are also some special ways to win, like trapping your opponent in an infinite loop, um, moving things so no one can take another move and so on. Now, this was a game we found while cleaning out my parents' place to sell it. It reminds me a lot of Magic Box and its component quality. Sorry, Black Box. Black Box, Magic Box. Uh, another game from this time period, the late 70s, or late and early 70s. Now, you just don't see games with this production quality as often anymore. This much plastic, though I guess you do if you count miniatures from cool mini or not games. But at least abstract strategy games don't tend to be produced like this. And I got to say, I was really impressed by the quality, uh, though I will say the copy we had was rather dusty. We did find the gameplay in triples to be fascinating and very engaging. This has a definite chess-like feel where you're trying to plan multiple moves ahead and outthink your opponent. And it was really enjoyable. Unfortunately, though, the copy of the game we rescued is missing six tiles, which pretty much ruins the game. It's meant to be that you have a square board that features every possible combination of three arrows pointing three different ways. What we ended up doing is just removing one row so we no longer had a full square and we obviously didn't have a full set of arrows. I still got to say I was still impressed by this game and we had fun playing with what we had so I can at least see how the game worked. And that was enjoyable. So what I'll be doing now is keeping my eyes out for replacement tiles or possibly even another copy of this game. Places like yard sales, if we ever have yard sales again, or thrift stores, or maybe even I've, I've now set up an eBay search to see if it, I can find some replacement tiles. Now, along with these physical plays, I've also been playing some games on Board Game Arena. Uh, this includes Zolkin, Azul, Tapestry, and Clans of Caledonia. Each of these games I've got to call out as extremely well made on Board Game Arena. They are great to play, either real-time or turn-based. Though I've got to say, Tapestry and Clans of Caledonia and Zolkan, oh, those three are definitely better real-time. Because, man, trying to remember what you were thinking before you went to bed when you get up the next morning to take your move can be hard. I do love the fact that this is letting me play games with people I can't get together with in person. So big shout-out to Board Game Arena and its implementation of some fantastic games. That's it for the games I've been playing lately. I look forward to listening to what everyone else had to contribute this week to what you've been playing Wednesday. And before I go, a reminder to visit TabletopBellhop.com. Join us Wednesday nights on Twitch at 9 p.m. Eastern, where we record the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, which you can find on your podcaster of choice if you can't join us for the live show. For the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, I am Mo Tuzno. Good night and game on. What up, gamers? I'm Jason. I'm Julie, and together we're Dyson Dragons. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at Dyson Dragons, and on Twitter at Dyson Dragon. And what is it today, Julie? It's what you've been playing Wednesdays. And what have we been playing? Well, we finished up a little bit of Lord of the Rings, but we've talked about that for like a couple weeks. So uh, Not really in the last week. <laughs> yeah, we have, didn't we? 
No. Okay. Well, what we've been playing most recently is a new deck builder. Yes. That's another IP game. Surprise, surprise! And it's another co-op game. Surprise! <laughs> and people guess know what? what we like now. It's another IP that Jason likes. Another yeah. surprise. <laughs> yes, this is one that I grew up on. We played the G.I. Joe deck building game. It is published by Renegade Game Studios and designed by T.C. Petty III. It's for one to four players for ages 13 and above, and don't believe a word the box says, or it says 30 to 70 minutes. I don't know what universe they're in. I think once you get it down pat, you can definitely get it into that time frame, but yeah, it's going to take you a while. It's not that short. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's at least 30 minutes per person, more like 45. So, uh, no, I think it's more like 30 once you get a decent flow going. In any case, what are you going to be doing in the game? Well, you'll become a G.I. Joe leader. You're going to be recruiting other Joes to your cause. Lots of your favorite characters from the television series and the toy line. So, if you're a big fan, you're going to enjoy that. You'll be facing off against the forces of Cobra on two different missions that are customizable. So, each time you play them, you're going to have different side missions. So, it's not going to be the same thing every single time and you will need to deploy your G.I. Joes using different vehicles that are also of course featured on the show ranging from land sea and air to get you to those missions and some of those vehicles will even give you bonus skills to help you with what you need in order to win the day. Now each Joe will have their own specific set of skills but you can always use a Joe for a wild skill and as you need to roll dice to get successes the more skills you have of the appropriate type the easier it's going to be and yes all of your favorite villains from Cobra Baroness Destro Major Blood and Zartan will be featured in the game and they will be giving some compli- well throwing some complications at you that it's not really fun to deal with do I get to talk now yes <laughs> so, what what do I have to say about the game? I don't know the IP much. I don't know really G.I. Joe. I know about it, but I don't know it very much. I Jason laughed at me. You said that already. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I said to Jason, uh, well, I do know there's a guy called Joe. And he said, no, no, there isn't. No. So, uh, what I can definitely say is it has a lot of the great things I love about deck building cooperative games where you, you know, you get to buy lots of cool gears that gets to upgrade you. I like the fact that uh, a couple of different things allow you to discard some cards, which allow you to thin your deck, which uh, is always a way, the way I like to go, at least. What do you think about that? I think the game has a lot of great deck thinning mechanics. I, I do feel that if you're playing a four-player game, that does make uh, Scarlet almost a must-have for uh, one of the leaders, just because her ability to constantly thin your deck is going to be crucial uh, going forward. I mean, uh, you had Scarlet the last time we played, and we didn't really get to do that much well, deck thinning because luck wasn't on our side, and we were just getting some decent gear and trying to be able to build a decent deck, and by the time we wanted to start cutting it, well, it was already a little bit unwieldy. Yeah, well, we weren't really cutting our Joes because we weren't getting other Joes, so we had to keep the basic Joes. Yeah, well, actually, that's a good point. The, the fact that if you have a successful mission, you can get rid of the basic Joes is really cool. It definitely is. So I liked. I played both women. I uh, I really enjoyed Scarlet and Lady J. I think Scarlet is cool for allowing. Scarlet's you. definitely better than Lady J. But they're both they're both good. Uh, but that's one of the things. Obviously, they're not not all leaders are created equal. We see that a lot in deck builders, and it's definitely true here. I feel that 
the balance of all the leaders is going to show up more if you're playing at higher player counts. Snake Eyes is really good at stealth, but there's a limited amount of missions where you actually need stealth. So you kind of really want those Joes that are going to be more all-rounders. Flint, who we haven't actually played as yet, just because his ability wasn't that useful. The way cards came out for us, it was very rare that we had two vehicles in the hangar to trigger a special ability. So why was any one of us going to pick Flint? So things like that are just a little disappointing in the game. But, like I said, at higher player counts should be a lot more rounded out. Well, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good game. Uh, I think there's enough different about it that makes it worthwhile to keep with uh, the other deck builders. I think if you're a deck build, uh, if you like deck builders and you like cooperative games, I think you'll enjoy it. It plays very well at two players. I'm sure it plays well at four players, even though it might be a little bit longer. So I definitely call this a a nice uh, add uh, to a collection. Yes, and it fits the theme very well. The fact that you're deploying the vehicles and going out there, the, and it really does encapture the spirit of G.I. Joe. Like, you're working together, you're taking on Cobra, you've got lots of cool stuff, you've got also the different gear. Some of the stuff I don't think is from the show because, you know, got to update it with time. And the way the gear and utility cards work is just fantastic. I love the fact that the one of the, probably the best card in the game is knowing is half the battle. Yeah, that <laughs> one was a lot of fun. I got it for all our games. Uh, for some particular reason. Uh, well, not for some particular reason. It came up and I bought it because I really enjoyed having it in my in my hand. Yeah, and the way the, the cards work with the different mission effects and the fact that you can play your G.I. Joes whenever any person is going to be going on a mission, I think makes a big difference in terms of that level of cooperation. So Yeah, so I was going to say, if you want more detail, you can check out our review, which will be coming out uh, tomorrow. Yes. And you can check out our other reviews if you're interested. But in the meantime, we're going to remind everybody to keep, keep playing, playing games. games. Hey there, everybody. This is Norm from the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast and Bridge City Board Gamers here in Saskatoon. And let's go to the Facebook page of Bridge City Board Gamers Community and see what everybody has been playing. So let's start it off with Jason. Uh, Jason says that there's a busy stretch at, uh, at my house as this past New Year's Eve was JigsCon X. Over the last week, we've played Exit the Game and Puzzle, The Sacred Temple, Micro Macro Crime City, Rolling Realms, Calico, Telestrations, after Dark, Seasons, <gasps> Nova Luna, Castle Dice, and an epic seven-player game of Caverna that took way too damn long to finish. I apologize for the curse. Um, uh, well, that's a, that's a big... Well, it was a JigsCon, by the way. So, yeah, what a bunch of fantastic games in that uh, lineup. Uh, Rolling Realms is always... Uh, um, uh, piqued my interest. It was one of those uh, pandemic game releases uh, right early when we were in uh, isolation. And uh, it's a Stonemeyer and it's a roll and write version of all his other games. So I thought that was really cool of a kind of a compendium, um, an omnibus roll and write. Cool. Very cool. Uh, let's move on. Hans, uh, Terraforming Mars, Got a, starting off with that. Grand Austria Hotel, yay with uh, Let's Waltz expansion, Voyages, 
Dune Imperium, Marvel Splendor, Public Market. Oh, I like that game. Space Base, Mystic Vale, and Bitoku. Um, Grand Austria Hotel. I've talked a uh, not, I haven't talked about it, but I've mentioned that I've played it and had such a good time. So, yes, very much like that, uh, that lineup. Uh, um, yeah, the, I'm looking at uh, the Voyages. I don't think, I've, I'm not too sure which one that's in reference to, but I'm going to have to do some homework. Uh, Brian played This War of Mine. Oh, what a great game. Uh, Vegas Dice, Wingspan, Splendor, Mansions of Madness, Second Edition. Um, yeah, yeah, what a great, the, the, this war of mine, uh, it's a, it's a cooperative, but you can play any cooperative game, you can play solo, and uh, it's a very unique take on a war-themed game, but not necessarily a war game, so if that kind of piques your interest, do some, uh, do some googling, um, uh, Ryan, uh, Clicked a little uh, tag here. Oh, okay, here we go. Um, his uh, stats of lately. Animal upon Animal. Draftosaurus. Uh, Transformer deck building game. Right on. That's pretty cool. Um, Transformers. I've been seeing a lot of that on social media. People um, uh, kind of diving into that IP deck building game. Right on. Travis. Oh, here goes, he says. Wizard Ola, my personal favorite game, uh, card game with family. Kaiser, Crokinole, Dutch Blitz, uh, War with my niece, Exploding Kittens with my nieces and nephews. Uh, yeah, got to start him young, get him hooked. Um, uh, Lords of Waterdeep, Uno, and all the light games for Christmas. And, and you know, chuckles, chuckles. Uh, right on. Oh, he says, I forgot to um, uh, mention Azul. So, yeah, that's a really good... Oh, Azul's such a, a really cool puzzle game by um, uh, uh, very good designers. Trevor, uh, probably the busiest week of games I've had in a year. So, here's the list. Last Bastion. Uh, Lagranha. I love Lagranha. Okay. Um, uh, Ethnos. Ethnos is a good, is a good uh, collecting game and, and area control. Rush MD. Kabuto Sumo. Uh, I've, that one's really cool. That's the ones where there's disc on top of a, a circular kind of uh, elevated platform, and you have to put things on from your side that eventually push off other discs, and uh, they're different sizes and different shapes, and and uh, it looks it looks so interesting, it's so kinetic. I really love it. Um, uh, um, and Blitzkrieg, World War II in 20 minutes. That is, I think it's a. Oh, Apollo, I think the designer of some sorts. Uh, but that one, being the history teacher, that, that one's intrigued me a lot. Uh, speaking of teachers, fellow teacher, Scott, um, uh, playing Wingspan. Um, uh, do, do lots of fun, especially if you are um, an outdoor enthusiast, which I know he is. Um, and he's a biology teacher. So, yeah, this is, this is uh, I'm, I'm, glad you, uh, I'm glad you appreciate the depth and the cleverness to this game. Uh, Eli played another game of Quacks, started uh, to Edge of the Earth, I think, from Ark. Oh, yeah, from uh, the Arkham LCG and Space Hulk Death Angel. Wow, very cool. Very cool. Quacks. I like Quacks, and I hear Cubitos is a dice version of that whole 
push your luck um, uh, mechanism. And if push your luck mechanisms interest you, uh, last cardboard conjecture I spoke about that uh, in the mech in the mechanics series, the push your luck mechanism, and how much adrenaline and psychology is involved in that. Uh, and last but not least, Rebecca played Dominion. Yes, Dominion, the deck builder that uh, has other deck builders standing on its shoulders. So wonderful, wonderful. And um, my turn, what I, uh, what I played recently was uh, Architects of the West Kingdom. Um, I had played it a couple weeks ago with uh, Dave and Jordan on our Wednesday night games in the garage. And, um, and it's, okay, so it's in the um, uh, West Kingdom series of Shem Phillips and, uh, and Garfield Games. Um, it is, oh, and uh, God, I always have to mention the artist, the Miko. Love the art. I think that's what drew me, first of all, was the art. And then I started uh, um, reading about the game and, and the series. I have got yet to get Viscount. There's Paladins of the West Kingdom, Architects of the West Kingdom. I think they're opposite order they came out. And Viscounts. But um, Architects, uh, of course, you're building, right? You're, you're building buildings, and these buildings have powers. But uh, um, it's, a, it's such a unique take on worker placement where you have... Uh, obviously, if you're building, you need resources, and, and there's all these other elements to it uh, as far as um, a village c is concerned. And the village um, obviously has, you know, the castle, the dungeon, the keep, you, you know, the, the administration buildings and all the resources and, and so on and so forth, and a black market. Um, because all the players are a little asymmetrical in regards to their unique abilities. And good, getting back to the worker placement part is... When you put your meeples on, you have this, you have a large volume of meeples. Uh, let's say it's your, your family or your clan or however you want to represent um, you, your player uh, perspective. Um, and uh, when you start to put the meeples on the board, they, they, they count as the meeple in regards to uh, evaluating, let's say, if you're going to get stone. But the next time you go, and you leave your meeple there, the next time you go there, um, you you put your meeple down, and it is a cumulative effect. So the more meeples you have there, the bigger the resource draw. But here's the take. Everybody has this ability to arrest um, groups of common colors and and basically take your um, your meeples uh, in, in, in custody before they go into jail. And then you have to go through this process of getting them out of the jail. And right. So I thought that was such a unique way of, 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 and again, speaking of push your luck is how far do you add meeples to the point where you're not attracting the attention of the other players? Because I mean, you, you know, you, you want to um, have as, as much gain as you possibly can, but um, when if people want to go arrest, uh, there's a and there's a there's a monetary value too. So there's an economy based on this whole thing. So um, yeah, it's a it's a matter of watching other people, trying to determine other people's needs and evaluate your risk in and how much you accumulate on every site because uh, it could it could backfire on you pretty quick. So yeah, uh, and this and the solo play. So I I recently played it solo. And the, the AI is absolutely fantastic. It does a great job on um, 
mimicking or simulating the chaotic actions and activities of the other players. Now, uh, does it make any logical sense as for the AI's choices? No. But from my perspective, do other players' choices make any logical sense? No. <laughs> They're just trying to mess with my game. Um, so, yeah, no. The, uh, uh, um, I am uh, Paladins. And again, uh, this West Kingdom series is a, in, a, in, a, in a trilogy. And I've yet to go try out Viscount. So I, I'm definitely going to put that one on my wish list and, uh, and get that to the table as fast as I can. So... That uh, feels like we're rounding up another episode of What You've Been Playing Wednesday. And as always, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to what we have to say about uh, what we've been playing. And thank you so much for the content creators who uh, contribute every week to make this a uh, special and unique episode. So um, uh, thank you. Thank you so much, everybody. And that being said, keep your stick on the ice and take care out there, eh? Thank you.